So today we're going to be reading from First uh, uh, John uh, chapter one, verses five through to Second John two. Oh, sorry, First John chapter two, verse two. So let's get into it. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, Jesus his son, purifies us of all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his work is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the sacrifice of your son, that you love us and care for us. And Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, and we just want you to open up our eyes to see the way that we look at sin this morning or this afternoon. And really shift our hearts towards that, Father God. And Lord, I just thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you would just bless my mouth and any of the words that come out of it. Let any words that aren't of you fall of death ears, on deaf ears and any words that are of you truly rest in everybody's hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, so just a quick catch up on the last part of the sermon series that I'm doing. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Gnostics. So they were that group that believed that the flesh was evil, but the spirit was good. And in these verses here, John's still very much countering the arguments that they've brought to the church, or they're trying to correct the opinions that these guys have put into the church. Now, since he's already corrected their opinions on who Jesus is, now he's turning to their opinions on what sin is, or their teachings on sin. And depending on the group, they actually had a couple different opinions on what sin is, or how we should uh, go about sin or avoiding sin. Uh, apologies. <clears throat> so in these verses, we're actually going to be looking at the two types of sin that they were looking at, or the two ways of encountering sin that they were looking at here. Now, while it may seem quite distant, the way that they were going about things or the reasonings that they had almost 2,000 years ago, the way that we actually interpret sin or the way that we actually look at sin is almost exactly the same in this day and age. And there's one thing that's also important to note as we get into it is that any of the sin that we're going to be talking about here is not so much sin as we come and experience it like when we first come to Christ and when we're first repenting, but it's sin that we face in our everyday life. It's our walk as believers and the way that we encounter sin as Christians. So to be looking at these two mindsets or these views on sin today, we're going to start looking at verses 5 to 7. That's going to talk to us about the first way that we can look at sin as Christians. 
or that they were looking at sin as Christians. So verses 5 through 7. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So the state of sin or this idea of sin that John is talking about here is what he calls walking in darkness. And this came about especially because the Gnostics were choosing to live lives that were just as sinful as before they encountered God. Um, they, In fact, they weren't just casually sinning. They were persistent in their sins. They were, even choosing, they were even choosing to live like they had a license to sin, so they were sinning even more. And the reason for this is they justified these actions because they were saying, well, I have a physical body and I have a spiritual body, and they're different. So the things that I do physically aren't going to affect the things that I do spiritually. Now, that's just a bit of background, and I think that's you know, important to know, but the reasoning that we do this the same as them is, is not the same reason, but we actually end up treating sin the same way at times. And, but John makes it incredibly clear here that if a person is walking in darkness, that's if they're living in consistent sin, like they were, then you'd be lying to say that you have fellowship with God. You can't be both living in sin and living in the light of God because God's, God is light. God is perfect and untainted. You can't actually bring any sin before him. It just can't exist in front of him. So now knowing the reason that John wrote it, what does that actually mean? How is that relevant? Well, like I said, the reasoning is different that we go about sin this way, but if we're living life in constant sin, then we're walking in darkness too. And we're not in fellowship with God. And that's exactly the same as it was to them. And that's something that we often call habitual sin. Those are those sins that we keep on repeating, that you know we start to get comfortable with, and we either start to ignore or we justify to ourselves. So that can look completely different depending on person to person. And I just want to give a couple of examples of that, you know. Uh, for someone, that might be, you know, pornography. Over time, it just becomes another thing that the person ingests and they don't look at it as something sinful anymore and they just become okay with it. For others, that might be gossip, you know, where they're gossiping so often and they gossip so much that they don't even understand the problem with gossip anymore and it even enters their conversation in and about church. Now, that's just a couple of examples. I'm sure you can think of many, many more. But essentially, it's just any sin that we become okay with. It becomes a normalized and accepted part of our life. And honestly, sometimes we really need to search ourselves to figure out what that is if we become too okay with it. We don't even realize that that is a sin that's in our life. So, but we need to face that sort of pervasive sin in our life because we can't walk with God at the same time that we're living in that sort of sin. And it's absolutely impossible to have it both ways. We can't walk in the darkness as we walk in the light. So if we understand that that sin is in our life, then we need to choose to make a transition from darkness to light. 
And that transition from darkness to light simply happens through repentance. So I just want to borrow a little bit from last week's sermon and to kind of explain how that happens. If you want more of a refresh on that, please do go back to it. It's a great one. It's on our YouTube. But essentially, once we understand that that sin is in our life, it starts with a sincere, heartfelt conviction of sin when we realize how wrong that sin is. And not only how wrong it is, but how it offends a holy God in our life. Then we understand that we need to turn away from those sins and choose to live a life and build a life that is moving towards God, that is actually changing to face him, to look to him, and avoiding these sins. We actually have to completely move away from the way that we're living. And there's a couple of things that happens when we start to do this, when we actually repent and choose a life that's lived in light. First, the first thing that happens is that God will restore our relationships. And it's not just the broken, the broken relationship that sin created with God, but also the broken relationship that sin created with our fellow believers. Because as we're living in sin, that can also damage the relationships around us. The second thing that happens is that when we truly repent and we come to Christ, then he's going to wash us clean of the sins. He's not going to hold it against us, and we can come to him confidently. He doesn't care if you've been living in sin for a year, two, three. He's going to look at you with brand new eyes. So we don't have to worry about trying to hide it from him because he guarantees us that he'll make us clean again. So that's living in darkness. Now, the second thing that kind of sin, or the second way that we can look at sin, John talks about a bit in verses seven through, oh, sorry, eight through ten. So, verses eight through ten, it says, "If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins." and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So this second idea on sin is a little bit different. It's where we believe that now when we're saved, we can be totally free of sin. As great as that would be, because I'm sure it would be, it's just not humanly possible. We can't live without sin because we're inherently sinful. We all short, fall short of the glory of God. And to believe otherwise would just be lying to yourself. But, and, okay, you might be wondering, how bad could it be? Well, the belief that we could somehow live completely sin-free is, is really problematic in a couple of ways. But in these verses, John even seems to indicate that it's, Worse to say that you're living completely free of sin than actually living in the darkness. So I just want to share a little story first of what kind of damage this can do in someone's life when we're claiming to live free of sin. So I have this really good friend of mine, and he's one of my closest friends, and he's trying to be on the journey to genuine faith. So he's, he's really, really trying. And so he's been on this journey for a few years, and like all of us, he's had his ups and his downs. But He's growing overall, which is just great. But 
as he first started to become a little more interested in faith, he started listening to a whole bunch of different preachers and he got caught up on some of the more like energetic, charismatic ones that you can sometimes find on YouTube. And he really started to follow one of these preachers that will not be named and that he had found on YouTube. And so this preacher shared that he was living this life that was completely free of sin. Now, at the time, this really encouraged him. He was so excited and he thought to himself, or, you know, he said to even me that, you know, if this guy can do it, so can I. I'm going to live a life that's completely free of sin for Christ. He was dead set on it. So, you know, one day passed and it was all going okay, but then the next day came and everything started to unravel when he realized that he couldn't live free of sin. He stuffed up and started to sin again. And because of that, his faith was completely shaken when he realized that he couldn't live up to this magnificent ideal that was before him. And the longer that it went on, that he kept trying to attain this thing on his own and seeing this ideal presented by this pastor, the further and further he ended up feeling from God. Because he just couldn't be as perfect as his preacher. Fortunately, since then, he has, we've had a lot of conversations about faith and he's, he's come a long way, but the point is that I'm trying to make here that as well-intentioned as this preacher was, his lies were completely crushing my friend's faith. And I guarantee you that if my friend had found out about the secret sin in his life, the things that he wasn't telling, or the things that he was ignoring in his life, that that would have crushed him even more. Now, Yes, it is particularly damaging when it's a person in a position of spiritual authority, like that preacher, but that same damage can actually be done by each and any, like every single Christian. You see, when people are faced with a completely unattainable goal, when that's in front of them, and everyone around them seems to be breezing through it easily, then they're going to be completely demoralized by that, especially when it's something this. It's going to lead them to trying to just trust in themselves rather than trusting in God. So they're going to start turning to focus on how they act and start depending on their own self and their own righteousness and the righteousness of God and his promise of redemption. Now there is one more serious problem that comes from this claim. See, if we're claiming to live completely free of sin, we're not just lying to ourselves. We're not just lying to the people around us. We're also making God out to be a liar. God knows that we are sinful. That's why we needed Jesus to die in our place. We can't be completely free of sin by our own works. To say otherwise would insist that God is lying when he says that we need him every day to be free of sin. In fact, to say it would be comparable to saying that we're past the need for Jesus at all, that we can do everything on our own and we can be just as righteous as God without the need for him. We're literally giving up on Jesus and everything that he's done for us if we say that we can leave, live completely free of sin. So those are the two attitudes towards sin living in darkness, or completely denying sin. But where does that actually leave us? What should our attitude towards sin actually be? Well, 
And fortunately, John gives us the answers in our final two verses for today. So let's look at those. So that's chapter 2, verse two, two uh, sorry, 1 to 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with, us, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We can't just ignore sin in our life, and we can't just keep on sinning. We can't hide it. So we can't do what either of these groups do. Rather, we have to completely cut off the sin in our life and choose to live a life that honours God rather than a life full of sin. Because at the end of the day, nothing good can come of sin. It only hurts you and the people around you. And even worse, it offends the God that saved you from that sin if we keep choosing to go back to it once we've been saved from it. However, and I do say this, but this is not a license, as I say this, this is not a license to sin, but we need to balance our expectations. It's important to know that in our walk of faith, we are going to trip and fall. We're going to sin. I genuinely believe that not a day goes by that I don't sin in some unknown or unintended way. And the same goes for all of us. Sin happens and it's a part of our character and a part of our life. But if we do fall to sin, rather than just focusing on that sin, rather than we have to turn to Christ. He's the only answer to that sin. Sorry. It's good drums. <clears throat> Because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is sufficient to cover all sins. Those past, present, and future. So even if we do fall again, even if we do sin again, he's still going to keep us clean. So if you want to follow John's advice, don't try to hide your sin. God already knows all about it. Just come clean, have a conversation with God about it. Talk to him like he's really a person in the room. He understands. At the same time, we can't just be okay with sinning. We can't just let that live in our life because that's destroying our relationship with God and live and destroy the, your relationship with the people around you. We do need to take sin seriously. But rather than just focusing on it, what we have to do is first come to God in genuine repentance and take a proactive step in changing our lives to be more like Christ so that we won't keep on sinning. We need to choose to keep we need to keep choosing to live a Christ-like life every single day, especially when we stuff up. That's when we really need to get back up and just keep following God. Nothing changes by just focusing on sin, but everything changes by focusing on God. So that's what we need to choose to do. That's the attitude that we need to have on sin. So church, as we pray today, as we come to a close, if you've been living in sin, 
or if you've been trying to hide your sin. Let's just come and ask God to reveal that sin in our lives today. Let's pray that God would turn our eyes from our sin onto his faithful promise of restoration today. Let's pray. We don't always get things right in our life. Sometimes we try to hide these things from you. Sometimes we try to hide it from ourselves. Lord, wouldn't you just open our hearts, open our eyes and minds to see any sin that we're living with today, Lord? Wouldn't you convict our hearts of this sin? And Lord, help us to change, to turn our eyes, to see you instead of this sin. Lord, to love you instead of this sin. Father God, wouldn't you just help us to love you more this day? Wouldn't you just give us faith in your restoration, your promise of restoration today? Lord, heal our hearts, heal our minds from this struggle that we have with sin, Father God, and these negative thoughts that we have on it. Because you've already freed us from this sin. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you so much. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.